0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, we ask that you would take this service in each part of it and that you would work in our hearts and lives. We pray that our singing and our praise to you would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, that the words of these songs would be a fitting melody to the greatness and goodness of God in our lives. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts during the time of the preaching that, Lord, when we get to the time of invitation, we would understand and we would realize the work that you desire to do in our lives. And we would surrender to your will. We pray for those that would be with us this morning that have yet settled to settle the issue of eternity. Then, Lord, today would at least be another step in the right direction. But most of all, Lord, that there would be a surrender to your person. To your love, to your greatness, and a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved, we pray for those struggling and carrying the under the burdens of life that we would allow you to cast carry those burdens for us, Lord. We ask you to work in our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Keep. Andrew in prayer as he's out at Community Baptist in Riverhead this morning. Lord willing, next Sunday, Brother Jason will be going out. After that, Brother Leland trying to keep uh, the pulpit filled. And the service is going there at Community. Pray for them. And let's open our Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And I want to read one verse as our main text this morning. Uh, I believe this is something that uh, each of us need and uh, must have in our life if we're going to live for Jesus. Verse 11, Jesus is speaking here. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Uh, Every time I have preached upon this subject, the subject of joy, the subject of having God's joy in my heart, in your heart, in my heart, uh, I am challenged with the fact that I could use more joy in my life. How about you? Would anybody agree with me on that? And most of us would. We would like to have more joy in our lives. We ought to, of all people, have joy. Uh, We should be the most joyful of all because that song that was just sung. All my sins, every one of them. Jesus paid for them on the cross. You know, we're, we're not in any way trying to identify with the Pentecostal tongue speaking movement. There's just way too much emphasis on personal experience and emotion, but sometimes we get to a point to where we can say that and it, and it doesn't move us. Something is desperately wrong when we can callously or, or without any emotion as a robot just quote the words that Jesus paid for every sin on the cross. And, and Jesus is on His way. The context of this passage in John chapter 15. John chapter 13, He washes the disciples' feet and they claim that they're going to follow Jesus to the death, and Jesus has to remind them that that night, every one of them is going to turn their back and run away and hide. And Peter, their unofficial leader, is three times going to deny that he had ever even met the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the story, the third time... He resorts to a well-known tool when you cannot communicate what you want, what do you do? You start adding curse words. And and, and that's what Peter did. And, and it didn't take him long after that to say this can't be one of Jesus' disciples because his disciples don't talk like that. And yet, before all of those things happen, he starts out chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. And I get so sick of that. I used to listen to a talk show host and he quoted this verse so out of context. He said, Let not your heart be troubled because we can win the next election. And I'm sitting here going, That's not what it says. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. There is only one reason why We can go through life and and not be overwhelmed and destroyed by all of the things that are going on around us. That's because of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? That wasn't much of an amen. Can we try that again? The only reason we can live in this life is because of what Jesus has done for us. You see... We get to chapter 15 and Jesus said these things, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You know, I, I believe I've experienced a little bit of this on an earthly plane, being a father and my children old enough, uh several of them to walk down that aisle. I've walked two of my daughters down the aisle and given them to wonderful men who have made good husbands for them. And the fact that you know, my wife was worried. She says, What are you going to do? And I said, Well, I'm going to pray about it. Amen. That's when Sarah was two. Uh, it, it took a while. All right. Uh, I had to spend some effort there and preparation. It, it doesn't happen the day before. All right. But to just her and, and, and Rachel behind her. To, to feel the joy and the anticipation and the wonder of entering into that relationship and to walk them down the aisle and their countenance just glowing. You know what I got to do? Because my heart was right and I got to enjoy and to share in their joy. And being that I was the preacher... Uh, of the wedding, performing the wedding as well, I tried to make that a very special day, one that they would remember all their life and uh, one of the reasons I enjoy performing weddings is because uh, as the preacher i I get to say some things and and try to uh, and and actually am invited to participate in the joy of the bride and groom and i I like that that 's fun well. This isn't just another person. This is the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I want my joy to be in you. He said, these things, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy... Now, what's that next word there? What's that next word? Read it out loud. That my joy might let's try it again that my joy what does the word might mean well i looked it up in the dictionary and you know what the word might all by itself is not a verb it is an adjective it is a noun But when the word might is used as a verb, it's a form of another word. If you're going to look it up in the dictionary, it's not spelled M-I-G-H-T. It's spelled M-A-Y. Might is a form of the verb may. How many of you remember first grade? Teacher, can I go to the bathroom? Well, I don't know about that, but the right question is, may you go to the bathroom? How many of you got, I mean, I had a, my teacher corrected me, uh, that all the way through the eighth grade. Uh, it's not can you go to the bathroom, it's may you. Do you have my permission to go to the bathroom, or in going to the bathroom, are you going to have to take a detour to the principal's office on the way back? Uh, you know, there, This idea, let me just read you, the first definition was kind of interesting. Definition number one, to be strong, to have power or influence to prevail. Definition number four, expressing permission or sanction to be allowed to do something by authority, law, rule, morality or reason. Definition number five gets a little more into what we're looking at today. Expressing subjective possibility, i.e. the admissibility of a supposition. See, here's what Jesus was saying. He said, I've spoken these things. So that you can have the possibility... You can have my sanction, my permission, yea, my command. Uh, as I was looking through the sub-definitions, I didn't want to go through all of them, but when this term may or might is used in a legal sense, it's equal with the word shall or will. So when a lawyer says, you may pay, put down the purchase price for this property and buy this property that is... Uh, A nice way of saying, you got to pay for it before you can have it. And and Jesus is saying, listen, I've spoken these things. There's a possibility here. There's a reality here that you might not get to. That is not guaranteed. There, There is the possibility of this happening. Or it not. It certainly is under the sanction, the direction, the desire of the Lord Jesus. Would you agree with me on that? This is something that he's saying, I want to happen. But it doesn't have to happen. We can disobey God. We can come for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can certainly come short of the joy that Jesus wants to be in your heart and in my heart. Are we together there? So as we examine this verse, we're we're finding something here. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Have you ever thought of this? How much of the joy that is in Jesus would it take to fill you up? You know, I, I think like faith, the grain of a mustard seed, if I could just have a teeny, teeny little bit of that joy that is in Jesus, I'd be dripping all over the place. Amen? Filled to overflowing. Like the old preacher said, uh, uh, this would have been about 80 years ago, You don't do this today, uh, but it used to be when you got a hot cup of coffee, what you would do is you would spill some out of the cup into the saucer, and then you would pick the saucer up and drink out of the saucer. Now, that would be very rude if you did that today. Uh, But that used to be a, 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 a proper way of doing things. And uh, I am glad because of dishwashers and thumbprints of the waiters and all of those things that we don't do that today. Yeah, just (laughs) we'll, we'll keep it in the cup. But he said, you fill the cup up and then it runs over into the saucer and then it drips down on the table so everybody can get. That's the way joy is supposed to be expressed in the life of a Christian. Do you get the picture there? We're, we're supposed to be filled to overflowing. How do we do that? Well, it's because if we'll allow Jesus' joy to touch and fill our lives, there's so much of it that we can't contain it. So often we are starting the Christmas season and, and, uh, and we're thinking, of what we can do to be a blessing to those special someones in our life, to to help others, to give gifts, and to express our love one to another. And that's that's a good thing. That's not bad. But, if we're going to do it the right way, wouldn't it be best to get Jesus' joy filling us to overflowing so that it just splashes out and automatically helps someone rather than picking up the cup and pouring it out and wiping it out with a napkin and trying to dab it on other people's lives. And then we wonder why we're so empty. Are, are you with me this morning? And so, if we want the joy of Jesus to be in us, and having the joy of Jesus in us will fill us with joy, then we're through the introduction because now we need to find out what these things he spoke of. Amen? He said, these things have I spoken unto you that you might. If you want this to happen in your life, we're going to have to find out what these things are. And, of course, we could uh, go all the way back to John chapter 14. But we're going to just take the convenient stopping point of John chapter 15, verse 1. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the Word... Which I have spoken unto you, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be fulfilled. Now this is the entire uh, passage here that we want to look at this morning. We have an illustration. Someone uh, aptly put, that an illustration is a window to see the truth. And so Jesus is using an illustration that every one of them would have been familiar with in the land of Israel, uh, the illustration of a vine. And even as you walk the streets of Astoria, uh, you will see many of the houses here, they'll have a trellis out there in front or behind or beside, and and if you go to, uh, by in the right time of the year, you'll just, you'll see the clusters of grapes hanging down in different places there. It's a grapevine. And that is the vine that Jesus was speaking about. Now, when I was a kid, we would go out into the woods and we'd find a wild grapevine. And, uh, uh wild grapevines produce the weirdest little grapes. But they were always way up top in the top of the tree. Sometimes 60 uh, to 100 feet up would be the top of this vine and it would be wrapped around this tree and by the time it got to the ground the vine might be about that big around. And I'd get out my old trusty pocket knife and we'd carve on that thing and, and, and cut it loose from the ground and make a swing out of it. And we'd swing back and forth and... And just have a great time. It wasn't very good for the longevity of the grapevine, but uh, 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 it was a wild vine and didn't do much. But I remember reading these verses and as a little older, uh, young teenage boy and went out there. And I actually found a place in the vine where a branch had come off of it. I said, I, I want to see what this looks like. And so I took out my good old pocket knife and dissected that joint. How many of you have ever seen a grapevine cut off? Some of them will be a wood stock, several, uh, an inch and a half, two inches in diameter. And when you get one that big, there is a hole that goes right up through the center. I mean, it's, it's just an empty shaft. And when you get to the branch, guess what? That branch has a smaller hole and it connects to the big one in the very, very center. It is layer upon layer. You see, if that connection weren't made, the water and the nutrients in the soil couldn't be brought up through the vine and taken out to the leaves and the grapes were produced. See, when Jesus says abide in me and I in you, I'm the vine, ye're the branches. We've often used this phrase when we talk about our church. We're, we're not talking uh, about a religion. We're talking about a relationship. Now, that's, that's a good phrase. I mean, that's what. But that's what Jesus was describing here. He's talking about an intimate, organic connection to the very heart of the vine, if the branch does not reach all the way to the center of that vine, if that opening is not clear all the way through, then there's nothing, no nutrients, no water going to go out into that branch. Now, when Jesus says, abide in me, He is using the picture here of the vine. And God the Father is the husbandman. That is the nice word for the farmer, the caretaker, the, uh, the, the man that does all of the work to make this plant live because if you let a grapevine go wild, It'll just grow these great big thick branches like the wild ones out in the woods. And all of the strength and energy goes to keeping the vine growing bigger and thicker. And at the top you get these tiny little grapes the size of the tip of my pinky finger. And they're just as bitter as anything. The birds don't even eat them sometimes. They're so bitter. But when you grow a vine right and keep the... The soil and it prune back and all of those things, guess what happens? You get great big grapes. And they're just sweeter than sugar. I mean, real grape juice. I mean, real grapes are, if you're diabetic, you have to be very careful about that. Because it can put you right into a sugar coma. Uh, that's how much sugar is in those things. Now, how they get all that sugar out of the dirt in sunlight, I don't know. But I sure enjoy them. How about you? And... Um, here is the illustration it's not just being connected. You see a church isn't just a switchboard that connects the circuits. The Bible says a church is a body and we're connected one to another and that's how we live. Jesus is giving us an illustration of that connection by saying the branches in the vine if there's not that connection there that reaches all the way to the very center of that vine if that's not open that branch is going to die and if you leave that dead branch on there it's going to take away the the goodness and the and the better part of the uh, uh of the plant and so the the husband man the farmer's got to come along with the snips and he's got to cut that off and and if you're not careful the the, the trunk or the vine will grow so big that the branches won't get any nutrition from them. And so all of those things have to happen and the husbandman takes care of that. But when it talks about abiding in Christ, Jesus said, These things have I said unto you that my joy might remain in you. Jesus was saying, there's one thing I want to do during these three and a half years of my earthly ministry. Jesus said, I want to take the joy that is in my heart and I want to put it in the disciples' heart. How many remember the illustration of John the Baptist? He must increase, but I must decrease. John said, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm his friend. And I I have joy because He has joy. And and the Bible says that we can have joy because Jesus has joy, but the connection's got to be made or the joy doesn't come. I've got to abide in Him. I've got to be like a branch on a vine. I've got to be connected all the way down. And it says here, Here in verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. God wants us to abide in him. He wants us to produce fruit. The result of that, verse 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. How many of you would like answers to prayers? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Well, here's how you get an answer to prayer. Oh, I know, Pastor, delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of of thine heart. And I just love to come to church, and I want God to give me a new car. That's not the way it works. You see, As the branch abides in the vine, what does the branch get? It only gets what the vine gives it. Amen? Jesus said, if you will abide in me, if you will allow my desires to become yours, if you will allow my joy to become your joy, you'll be able to pray for things and you will ask for things that are according to my will And I will do it. There is no limits to the power of prayer. But that prayer's got to be according to the direction of the vine, not of the branch. Are we together on that? And so we move on through here. And verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now those are some beautiful words. But I would just like to challenge you to think about this. The Bible says, as the Father hath loved me. How did the Father love Jesus? Did the Father save Jesus from Trial and difficulty? No, Jesus said the cross was the reason he came to this earth, didn't he? He prophesied in the Old Testament to prophet Isaiah that he had no former comeliness. There was nothing about him that would make us desire him. Uh, Jesus wasn't like uh, the movies portray him. When he walked into a room, everybody goes, uh, and, and that's man's attempt, the best that he can do, to honor God, to honor Jesus for who he is. But that wasn't the way it was. What did the Pharisees say? We, we are trying to stone you because you're a man. And you make yourself God. Well, who was Jesus? He was God, wasn't He? But He was so much a man... That they couldn't understand that he was God. All the disciples did. Now didn't they? It was Peter that said. Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. But how did the father. Love. Jesus. Look at verse 10. Jesus explains it. It's this simple. If ye keep my commandments. Ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Jesus obeyed the Father. As He obeyed the commands that the Father had given Him, He lived in the love of God. Now, how do we know that? Well, very easy. If Jesus had not gone to the cross would we have the salvation the Bible has promised us today? Absolutely not. Jesus went through the cross. He went through the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed in anguish. He, In John chapter 15, He was mere moments away from the Gethsemane's Garden where He would pray in anguish for three hours. The Bible tells us that the anguish of His soul was so great that the blood vessels in his skin burst and he actually sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Does that sound very joyful to you? Well, we read Hebrews chapter 12 and what does it say? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You go down to the middle of that chapter, verse 22, I believe it is. And it talks about the church, the general assembly of the firstborn. That was the joy that was set before Jesus. You see, God understood something. If we were going to be redeemed from our sins, someone was going to have to pay the price. Otherwise, God would have to surrender His holiness, which would mean He would cease being God. God cannot cease being God. He could not surrender His holiness. And so God's love made a way for God Himself to pay the price for our sins. So that you and I could be saved. You know what? That's the joy of Jesus. Jesus obeyed every commandment that God the Father had given Him. So you and I could enjoy an eternal salvation with God in heaven. So that we could keep His commandments. If I were to ask the question, how many of us have had problems keeping God's commandments this week? Every hand go up, wouldn't it? But here's here's what we need to understand. If we want the joy that is in Jesus to remain in us, we've got to be obedient to the things that are in the Bible. That that's why we have church services. Is it not? So that we can be obedient. So we can be corporately obedient. So we can work together. Uh, I'll tell you, singing in a big group is a whole lot easier than singing a solo. Uh, I don't mind leading singing. I enjoy leading singing. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to get up here and sing a solo like Leland did. That would not be pleasant for you, and it would be even less pleasant for me because I know what you're listening to. That's uh, just not the way it ought to be. But if it's a big group, then I can sing and have a part in it. And we can enjoy and have a little bit of that joy that was in Jesus because the joy that was in Jesus was bringing glory to God the Father now, wasn't it? And what is the greatest reason that we glorify Jesus Christ today as our God, as our Savior? Is the fact that He died on the cross and He paid the price for our sins and we went through in our Sunday school time how He sprinkled the mercy seed in heaven. Praise God, that only had to be done one time for all eternity. Aren't you glad about that? The seed of all false religion is a continual appeasement of God. A, a new way of making God happy. A new way of, uh, uh, of asking Him to forgive us our sins. I've met so many over the years saying, Oh, I pray that prayer every day, asking God to save me. And my rebuttal always is, that's not faith. What would you think of your child... If if they came to you every day as a parent and said, Do you really love me, Dad? Do you really love me, Mom? I'm not sure about that. Would you prove your love to me? If they did that every day, as a parent, wouldn't you immediately begin to believe that there is some real problem between you and your child? I mean, I would. Hey, what is going on? Why are you having all of these reservations? Why do you keep asking over and over again the same thing? Obviously, we've got a real communication problem here. Because love isn't just a warm, ushy-gushy feeling inside. Love is action. Amen? Love does things. And, And Jesus is saying here, listen... I want my joy to remain in you. Do you remember the day you got saved? The weight fell off your shoulders? You've stopped worrying about if you were to die today because Jesus is going to take care of it. Amen? You were able to rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and not worry about that anymore. Well here's here's what it says that my joy might remain in you I've tried to express this many times when I was a uh when my wife and I were attending a at clean baptist there was a preacher that would come fairly regular to preach and he could preach a salvation message in such a way it just made you Wish you could lose your salvation just so you could get saved all over again. And, and that bothered me. I said, that's, that's not the way it ought to be. And then I began to realize, hey, the thing I am striving for is what this verse talks about. You see, when I got saved, the joy of Jesus was put in my heart. Amen? but I want it to remain. Jesus wants it to remain. He wants to keep the pipeline of joy open, just like in the vine. That, that central shaft in the vine brings the water and the nutrients to the branches. We, we've got to keep that connection open. Now, how do we do that? The Bible says if we're going to do that, we're going to have to continue in His love. And how do we continue in His love? If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. It's just that simple. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Do you remember that time when the world stopped and Jesus saved you? You got an implantation of the joy of Jesus Christ. He gave it to you. You can't help it. I I, praise the Lord. I've had the privilege of helping many through the years. Not near as many as I would like, but many through the years of praying that sinner's prayer and asking Jesus to save them. And I always ask them as soon as they said amen. I said uh Did you get saved? Yeah. How do you know that? Oh, it's just so different. No, that's not how we know. How we know is because the Bible says so. Amen? But, you just got an implantation of Jesus' joy. You just made the connection. It's coming from the vine, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ into you but if that joy is going to remain that it might remain then i gotta surrender to a thing called baptism baptism is church membership and once i'm a member you know what i need to do i need to serve that's called fruit Stop and think about how much God has changed you since the day you got saved. The things that He's done. And one of the things that we're asking is that we talked about this early in the year. And now we're getting down to the last few weeks. Praying that the Lord would use you to bring one other person. There's still time. We're not through the year yet. Many people have already brought a person in. But we're asking that you would pray that God would use you to bring someone who would become a member. And, and serve in our church. Boy, that would change our church if we had 20 new members. Amen? Amen? Things would be very different. There is no greater joy than being able to help a fellow traveler on this way, off the road of destruction, and onto the way of eternal life. I'll tell you what, there's no greater joy than that. The only thing that comes close is when you see someone that got saved serving God. And living for God. Year after year. All oh, that is... It's not the same, but it's just as good. Amen? You see, that's joy. And it remains. You want to have joy in and of your own life. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have gotten frustrated with yourself in your own life? At the dumb things you do in messing up your service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, let's just be honest. We do this. And we get frustrated. You know where the joy comes? When I'm finally able to keep His commandments as the Bible, as Jesus said, I keep His commandments as Jesus kept His Father's commandments. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in His love and that joy is going to stay. And it's going to grow. These things have I written unto you. I'm sorry. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Just want to remind you. It doesn't take a lot of Jesus's joy to fill you up to overflowing. It doesn't take a tremendous... You don't have to be a super-Christian to have that joy. You just start where you are. First of all, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you got to follow Him in baptism. Then you can serve Him in His church. That's the joy that was set before Jesus, for which He endured the cross and despising the shame. That joy remains in you when we be obedient to the things the Bible says. And I'll tell you what. It doesn't take but a little taste of that joy that is in Jesus, that joy that belongs to Jesus, to completely overwhelm and fill me up to overflowing. It just takes a little tiny bit. We we need that joy and all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we, we want the Holy Spirit to have freedom to work in hearts and lives. We just ask that you would help us to see and perceive and understand the truth that is in this verse you've You spoke these things to the disciples on the way to Gethsemane's garden. Lord, that proves that the joy is not just a happy face or a good feeling inside. But it is the grace of God that transcends every issue I face in this life. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict each one of us in this auditorium. Lord, we would surrender to you. We pray for those who need to be saved. Lord, our first prayer is that today would be the day of salvation. The day when they stop trying and just trust you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray for those Christians who are just struggling and, Lord, are overwhelmed with circumstance and and the difficulties and the pressures of this life that, Lord, we'd be like that branch just stuck in place. Attached all the way to the core so that the joy that is in Jesus might remain in us. And Lord, this is not some little mind game trying to help us be satisfied with the little, but Lord, it is the truth of the gospel that it takes such a little moment of your joy to fill us completely to overflowing Lord we ask that you would give us full joy and a spirit of understanding that we could walk in that full joy and serve you in that full joy in your name we pray amen let's stand together